Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I am Ben Flanagan, and it is WrestleMania week, which is always exciting. And the WWE should have something special in store for Sunday, obviously with three huge matches. Roman Reigns versus Triple H for the title. Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker for the rights to Monday Night Raw. And obviously the no-holds-barred street fight between Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar. A lot to get into, and we're going to do that with a couple of guests here. Graham Flanagan, my brother up in New York, and Ben Stark in Huntsville. We're all going to go through the lead-up to this year's WrestleMania, and we're going to get into predictions, and we're also going to talk about some of our favorite WrestleMania memories over the years. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you share them with us. Follow us, of course, at Rammer Slammer on Twitter and share your favorite WrestleMania stuff, your predictions, whatever you want to do. We're going to start here with my brother, Graham Flanagan from Business Insider. This is Ben Flanagan with Rammer Slammer, and I'm talking now to my brother, Graham Flanagan with Business Insider up in New York City. And Graham, WrestleMania 32 is happening in Dallas this Sunday, and you and I have talked in the very recent past, uh, in, in the early lead-up to this monumental event, uh, about what we're excited about. We we ranked the three biggest matches on the card in terms of which ones we were anticipating most to least, and you expressed your excitement about several of the matches, particularly the Shane McMahon versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell, which it seems like will be the main event for this WrestleMania instead of the actual heavyweight championship match between Triple H and, and Roman Reigns. So there, there's the, the card seems to be pretty top-heavy with those two matches and then obviously the Brock Lesnar, Dean Ambrose, No Holds Barred Street fight. And, and understandably, everybody's excited for those three matches. But what, what is your feeling about this WrestleMania just days out from watching it? Are, are you still excited about all those matches? Has your interest waned at all? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely excited about those, those three matches you mentioned. Uh, and and top-heavy is the perfect way to describe uh, WrestleMania, at least the card we have in front of us, which, as we all know, is subject to change. To me, outside of these three matches, it, it, the rest of the show feels like an episode of SmackDown. Yeah, you know, I, there, there are a few matches that definitely at least pique my interest. I mean, I, I think one of the matches that is a little underrated right now leading up to it is the Divas triple threat match with Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Becky Lynch. I, I think it could be fun. I, you know, I think it's unfortunate, obviously, that Nikki Bella is out with injury. I think if she was healthy right now, then I'm guessing she would probably be in there instead of Becky Lynch. And and that would be an exciting match. I think they're going to put on a good show. And, you know, I think the lead-up, storytelling-wise, for AJ Styles and Jericho, as stretched out as it has been, has been a nice dose of old-school pro-wrestling storytelling where Jericho made this phenomenal bad guy turn and has just been doing bad guy 101 stuff that has just been a clinic for young wrestlers out there in terms of this is just how you do a no-frills bad guy turn and how you work the crowd and a really entertaining 
way and and get them to turn on you. And honestly, if somebody, let's say Roman Reigns, is going to do something similar, I, I hope he's taking notes from what a vet like Chris Jericho, who's doing this in his sleep, or could do this in his sleep, I hope that Roman Reigns is taking notice because if he if he is going to make a similar turn, which I, I think most of the wrestling world, especially the smart fans out there, hope he will. If he's going to do that, then then this is probably the best approach to it. But I, I don't necessarily foresee that happening, especially if he beats Triple H in the main event. But Graham, do you think it's strange that the main the, what, what was the main event, Triple H versus? Roman Reigns seems to have been marginalized by Shane versus The Undertaker. Obviously, Shane coming back was a huge shot in the arm for WWE, and he instantly became the most popular aspect of what they're doing narratively. But shouldn't the title match always be the last match of a pay-per-view, especially WrestleMania? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, and who who's reporting that, that the Taker-Shane match is going to be the actual final match of the night? I couldn't give you specifics. It just seems to be the talk of the yeah. Okay, world yeah, that, well, that's it's absolutely the talk. Of, you know, it's the most highly buzzed match for sure. But I, I still have yet to hear that confirmed as being the actual main event, the the match that will close the show. Uh, and if that happens, yes, that would actually that would definitely be unusual. Usually, it's the title match that concludes WrestleMania, and and you know. I'm very intrigued to see what happens in, in Reigns and Triple H's match because everybody's expecting something, a big narrative change to happen. You know, is it a heel turn? Is it, an, is it a surprise interference? You know, it's, it's going to be interesting because if, if Reigns just beats Triple H with a Superman punch and a spear and stands tall as he's booed, with fireworks going off behind him, then 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 WrestleMania, or at least that part of WrestleMania, will have been sort of flat and maybe uh, perceived as a disappointment. But I think that based on what we saw last year, Reigns was a, a hated babyface going into that match with Brock Lesnar, and they they booked it brilliantly with Seth Rollins uh, cashing in, coming down and stealing the championship, and that was amazing. And they they really raised the bar or set the bar, I should say, last year at WrestleMania. So I'm intrigued from a, just purely a narrative standpoint because you and you and Nevin had a the professor uh had a great had a great podcast last week uh talking about how you know how you felt about Reigns uh in terms of a, a being a technical wrestler. And I agree with you. I think he is he is fun to watch in the ring to an extent, but he's not as fun as Dean Ambrose. He's not as fun as Brock Lesnar. Uh, and Triple H, we know that, you know, and I was at a house show the other day, and, I mean, he he was so taped up that they, they should have introduced him as the mummy. <laughs> I mean, he he was he was a walking advertisement for masking tape. I, I am expecting the Undertaker-Shane match, even though those guys are both old. I think, you know, I'm going into that match kind of as people might be into a, a – Back in the olden time days, uh, matches at the Roman, somebody's going to end up dying. I, I'm, I'm really scared that someone's going to hurt themselves, uh, or both of them might hurt themselves. And it, you're going to see concussions, you're going to see blood, you can see broken bones, you can see spinal injuries. I really am, am concerned because at this point, wrestling, pro wrestling, WWE is, is to an extent a shoot. Because look how many people are injured. These are real injuries. These are 
find injuries. And based on what we saw Monday night with that little taste with Shane jumping off of the top turnbuckle onto the Undertaker, I think he hit him. I'm not really – even after seeing three different camera angles, I'm still not make contact with the Undertaker uh, laying on the table. It's concerning. So in that match, how how far they take it, hopefully we'll see them emerge from the match actually healthy. The same goes for Brett Lesnar and Dean Ambrose. I feel like they're going to try and just push the limit, and, you know, hopefully they'll escape from that match without actually being injured. But with Triple H and, and Roman Reigns, I – I feel like they're going to play it pretty safe. They're going to have a very highly choreographed match, and I'm just excited to see what happens narratively in terms of whether or not Roman Reigns turns heel or if there's some surprise interference from another babyface or another heel. There has to be, because the lead-up to this match and really overall the lead-up to WrestleMania, and we go in in depth about the lead-up with Ben Stark here on this episode – lead-up has just been wonky to me, and, and it's been lacking in, in many ways because if you think about it, four out of the six participants in these three biggest matches on the card are part-timers. They, they're not full-time pro wrestlers on, on the WWE roster, so they have not been as available on these shows leading up to their biggest event of the year. This is the WWE Super Bowl, so you would think that in the weeks leading up, they would do their part in really just firing up fans in terms of building their anticipation for what should be the narrative payoff of the year. And I just don't get the sense that it's going to happen in a way that will be satisfying the fans unless they do surprise you with an interference or a comeback from Seth Rollins or John Cena for that matter, if those guys hopefully are physically able to participate. That, that would be great. Or uh, interference from a, a former wrestler like The Rock. You know, there's there are rumors that Stone Cold Steve Austin could have some level of participation in this year's WrestleMania, which would be amazing. So I hope something like that happens because if they just play it safe and, and keep it simple with Reigns and Triple H, I think it's going to be bad news. And I think there's going to be intense backlash because, like you said, it's pretty much the same story going into this as it was WrestleMania 31, where Roman Reigns is a hated hero in the eyes of these smart fans. I mean, nothing has changed from year to year. In fact, the, the hate and backlash may have even intensified. I mean, if you watched Raw this past Monday in Brooklyn, fans were booing Roman Reigns even still. And again, I think that there's a level of defiance that is involved with that booing, and I think fans are trolling WWE, but it doesn't seem like it's good for business. And it seems like that kind of reaction year to year, the fact that it's been happening for so long, by now you would think that it would have influenced Vince McMahon to pivot. And so far there's no evidence that that could happen, but you know maybe that'll work to his advantage in that if nobody expects it, if he drops it on us like they dropped, obviously, Seth Rollins with the Money in the Bank briefcase last year, then we're in for a huge shock and surprise, and there will be that satisfaction. So I'm hoping that's what happens. I'm not expecting it. You know, honestly, I think the lead-up to Brock Lesnar, Dean Ambrose, has been so-so. And I, I just have a inkling of a feeling that that match could be a letdown. I kind of wish it was just a straight-up match, although – I do think that the only way they could really sell it realistically is if it is a no-DQ, no-holds-barred match. 
in terms of selling Dean Ambrose as a formidable opponent for Brock Lesnar. So I think that they've made a lot of great decisions from a storytelling standpoint with that match, but I don't know. I, I have a I have a weird feeling about it. But you're right with the Shane thing. I think everybody's just going to be kind of gritting their teeth and holding their breath in hopes that those guys don't get hurt in the match. <laughs> and, and obviously we saw that amazing move, that, that acrobatic, high-flying move from Shane that everybody's totally used to. It was an amazing moment. I think maybe he caught the tip of his elbow on, on the tip. His, the, his just body. the tip. Yeah, just yeah. the tip. <laughs> They so, showed three different angles of that. And I was just like, <laughs> I think, I think he really just hurt himself. Yeah, there. maybe, but you know, it, at least what what they really just had to prove there is that Shane still got it, and Shane is still willing to take the plunge, even at what forty six years old, and he proved that. And and Undertaker is willing to involve his fifty one year old body in a move like that. So I think that those guys are going to do something stupid on Sunday just because they're too old for this stuff and father time is undefeated, so to speak, and it's just time to probably close the door. But, you know, knowing Shane McMahon, and and I I just don't think he would come back in the way that he did unless they had something special planned. So, you know, outside of those three matches, Graham, is there anything else on the card on this SmackDown-worthy card like you said, that you think is worthy of WrestleMania and is something well, that we're looking forward to? Not really, honestly. I mean, this is some, these are matches that are just kind of – I feel like we're all booked in the last couple of weeks that are all randomly put together, as randomly put together as, as the League of Nations. I mean, Kalisto versus Ryback for the U.S. title. Okay, this this match, I saw this same match happen at, at the house show I was at the other night at, at in Madison Square Garden, and this is a WrestleMania match? I mean, I just don't understand. I, what, I'm not really just sure what's going on here. I mean, this is a real match on the card of WrestleMania in Jerry World. Isn't it weird that, that this has been built up for, like, now two years that, that WrestleMania is going to be at Cowboy State in Jerry World, you know, the Dallas Cowboys in this massive place, and I don't think anybody in in WWE management thought that that this was going to happen where where John Cena and Seth Rollins were all going to be injured, you know, and all these other people, Cesaro, not that that would have made a huge difference, but who knows. So it's it's almost like is this WrestleMania and I and I I'm optimistic because they all they usually come through at WrestleMania with with moments that are going to be talked about uh the next day leading up to the hot raw after WrestleMania. I mean I, I'm optimistic that they're going to come through with the surprises, but if they don't and we're left sort of feeling flat, I mean, is this sort of like when you have a college football team and, and everything is, is you know set up for the team to win the national championship and then their star player gets injured, and then do you still blame the coach? Do you blame the team? Or do you just kind of let that season go by and and look back at it with an asterisk? Yeah, I think that it's going to be marred by the injuries when we all look back on it. Like you said, Rollins, Cena, Cesaro, even Randy Orton, the Wyatts are even depleted to an extent, but I do think that they're going to rear their heads during the the Brock Lesnar Dean Ambrose match, unfortunately. I mean, the the champ the Divas champion, obviously Nikki Bella, she's hurt from from last year's WrestleMania and there there are just yeah, there are tons of injuries and it's hurt the WWE. I mean, Daniel Bryan, obviously, he was Intercontinental Champion in the yeah. seven man ladder match and 
he had since retired. And, you know, now we're, now we're going to have another seven man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Again, well, I, I believe it's lowering the stakes of that belt and marginalizing not only that match, but also the seven wrestlers who are participating. I mean, the, the WWE roster is so depleted that Zack Ryder is competing for the Intercontinental Championship belt on Sunday. And that's no offense to Zack Ryder. I'm glad the guy's finally getting a shot on this level to, you know, to, to participate at the highest possible level. But that's just reflective of, of where they are now and how they're having to work with what they have to work with. And that's why you bring in part-timers. That's why you ask Shane to come back. That's why you call in a favor to The Undertaker because there's no Seth Rollins. There's no John Cena. And you have to improvise and, and put a shoestring card together. And, and I hope they come through. And I hope that some of those injured people are healthy enough to make big comebacks on Sunday. I think that's really all they have in, in, in terms of shocking people and, and making it a, a show to remember like they did last year. But I think everybody's expectations are really low. And, and I don't, I, I think people, despite the venue and despite the opportunity to set a new indoor record to break the silver dome record from WrestleMania three, I think despite all that people are not super excited about this. And I, I think it, I think it's on WWE, and they haven't really done their part in getting people amped. I mean, again, the Shane thing, that that was a stroke of genius, and that was yeah. a, a great way to get people excited about not only WrestleMania 32, but WWE again. So we know they have it in them to, to pull, again, to call in the favors and pull something out of the hat to get people excited, even these, these cynical smart fans. So... I don't know. There might be a lot uh, left to be desired by the end of Sunday night, but I don't know. Like you said, they they usually come through. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, but I will be watching. I, I really, you know, I want. Will, will Nevin said the other, you know, on the last week on the podcast, he said, I want the company to do well, yeah. despite all of his his snark and hate for Roman Reigns. <laughs> you know, and and right now I'm a little frustrated. You know, uh, I am frustrated, but I know that they're they're dealing with some major issues. And, you know, like they could have ha- have Hulk Hogan involved with this, but he, you know, has had his issues with his racial comments. It's just all these things happening, uh, going against him. Uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, has had to pull out of events, even as, you know, as a non-wrestler. It's just all these things are happening. There's sort of force majeure type things happening, and it's hard to hold it against him. But I'm, I'm optimistic, and I'm excited. It's WrestleMania week, you know, and I'm excited to see this event in Jerry World. And one quick thing before we move on. About Jericho, you know, I'm a Jericho fan, but I this this whole thing about him giving you a a course on how to be a heel, that's what it feels like. It feels like he's just quickly switched to being a heel without any real motivation. I just don't understand the motivation of this heel turn. And it's basically just, I think he just went up to, you know, McMahon and Pat Patterson and those guys and was like, I'd like to be a heel now just because I know how he wants. I want to do that. And And it doesn't seem like it's really motivated. Or you know, it's it's sort of people make fun of Big Show for switching so so easily between heel and babyface, and I just feel like Jericho here is just doing this as you know, it's it's a it's a work obviously, and it's just it's not really motivated. He was a babyface for the last two three years, and just out of nowhere, when AJ Styles shows up, it's like oh, I'm mad now. I want to be a heel, and I just don't really buy it. So I'm excited from the technical perspective to see what they do in their match, but. I, I've been sort of disappointed by the sort of motivation and, and sort of narrative aspect of of this heel 
quote-unquote heel turn by Jericho. Well, I'm going to disagree with you because I, I think it's all in service of pushing AJ Styles. And, you know, fans would probably tell you, well, people were so excited about him joining the roster that you didn't need this much of a push for him to, to reach the next level. But, you know, I think we've seen in, in recent years and months, especially when somebody breaks through to the next level and joins WWE, whether it's from NXT or from another company, there's a 50-50 shot you're going to make it like Kevin Owens or you're going to get buried like a handful of these NXT guys like Tyler Breeze, for instance, like like Neville, I mean, who who has had a, a really entertaining career so far. He's, he's, hurt. Another, he's another hurt guy. But he, I think he you can make an argument that he's kind of reached his ceiling as far as he can go already in WWE. I hope that's not the case because I like Neville. But – yeah, so, look, I think that Jericho, I think it's the other way around. I think they probably came to him and said, look, can you do us a solid and make AJ Styles look as good as possible by becoming the nastiest bad guy that we have on the roster, other than perhaps Kevin Owens and Rollins when he's there? So I, I think that he's doing one of his colleagues a big favor, and I think he has made AJ Styles look really good. They've put on good matches. I like the the short life of Y2AJ, how, how long that tag team existed for about a week until Jericho got, got fed up with it. it. It happened really fast. Like you said, it was a quick turnaround. I just think uh, Jericho is such a skilled entertainer, and he's such a good bad guy that he's pulled it off, and I think it's all been in service of making this new star who's supposed to be the big thing outside of WWE, making him look good on this level so that perhaps he can transition into the elite class of WWE superstars. So that's well, yeah, and, and you're saying that as a, from the perspective of someone who's smart about the business. But yeah, from a business uh, perspective, it makes total sense. And everything you're saying is true, but I'm, I'm trying to look at it as a mark. And I don't feel like it was motivated enough. Uh, there wasn't really a catalyst for, uh, you know, a, a strong enough catalyst for him to go, you know, zero to 60 like this and do, or do a complete 180 like this. Well, I guess, so I guess, I guess the, the logic is that everybody was cheering AJ Styles and that's sort of the angle that they took that Jericho is there too. And I'm great. Why aren't you cheering for me? Why is it all about AJ Styles? It's very simple and there's not much to it. There's not a lot of depth to it, but I think, you know, when it comes to pro wrestling storytelling, sometimes simplicity is what, what pushes you forward, and, and I think they've done it fairly well. Is it a match that the whole world should be excited about on Sunday? Probably not, but I've personally just been impressed with Jericho and how he has interacted with the crowd. I mean, he has earned all of the, the just the chorus of boos that he gets every time he hits the mic. Again, it's very simple stuff, like calling the crowd idiots and, and insulting aspects of the town and grabbing signs and ripping them to shreds in front of people it's it's like i said it's bad guy 101 but honestly like i'm kind of that's what i'm kind of itching for right now in today's modern pro wrestling era and and it's just kind of refreshing to see a, a, an old pro revert back to those days of good guy bad guy nothing in between well i'm i'm very excited to see how it plays out the whole show that is i mean even in the matches that are sort of going under the radar like usos and the 
Phillies and, and even the New Day is just massively over their match with the League of Nations. You know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to, to watch the top of this top-heavy show and, uh, you know, talk about it on Monday and see where it takes us uh, going into Raw ahead uh, into the uh, the rest of the year. Well, Graham, before you go, you grew up watching wrestling, obviously. We've talked about it since the first episode of the show. And WrestleMania was a huge part of that early education. And, and I know that you've paid attention over the years and, and watched a handful of the biggest pay-per-view of the year. But just what what are some of the best WrestleManias that you can remember or most important WrestleManias that you can recall growing up? Are there are there any specific overall pay-per-views? Are there any specific matches, performers that really stick out that now that you've had a week or so in this lead-up to sort of reflect on your favorite WrestleMania moments. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, the the one the one match that stands out is is WrestleMania six with Hulk Hogan and and the Ultimate Warrior finally go you know sh- going uh fighting each other. That with two baby faces, it was strange in that era to have two good guys wrestling e- each other, but it worked. It was exciting, and Hogan did a job for the Ultimate Warrior, and. I guess it was appropriate at the time, and that's what the crowd wanted. And that was pretty amazing. But uh, Mega Plat Powers Explode the previous year was great. That was That's a situation where you have a, a heel turn that's truly motivating, where you have a love triangle. That was just an amazingly scripted piece of drama. So that was that was awesome. WrestleMania 10 was sort of when we got back into it, uh, when we were in like our early teen years and early adolescent years. Uh, it was a great WrestleMania and then, like I said, last year with, with Seth, the, the way that the whole show ended was amazing. And, and I'm just they know that they set the bar high with, with WrestleMania ended last year. And I'm, I'm excited for them to try and top it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I've gone back and watched a lot of the early WrestleManias that I had missed growing up. And I definitely didn't have the context for, for them and how they set up the ones that I really started paying attention to as a kid. So that was really WrestleMania's one through four that I've watched all the way through. And it's taken, you know, upwards of 15 hours to get that done. But it's really entertaining just to go back in the WrestleMania history and the company's history to see where, where they, where it all began when, when they started to perfect the format of the pay-per-view and how rusty they were early on. And, and for me, you already mentioned the Mega Powers Explode, but I think for me, the, the, the best performer that I can think of is probably Macho Man overall. Randy Savage is just an amazing athlete, an amazing performer, tells a great story in and out of the ring, and he's been doing it since the early days. And, and the Hulk Hogan match at five was fantastic. He had a great match with Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7, that career match that was really good. And even late in his WWE career at WrestleMania 10, he had a, he had a, he had a false count anywhere match against Crush of all people. That was an extremely entertaining match. But I, you know, I think people would probably call his, his glory days truly were, were WrestleMania 3 and 4. Obviously, four with the tournament, the sort of precursor to King of the Ring, when he won the tournament to be WWE champ, when when I think Ted DiBiase was originally planned to to win that tournament. So I'm glad they they went in the direction that they did. But I think probably one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history has to be WrestleMania three. Everybody talks about it: Ricky Steamboat versus Macho Man for the Intercontinental Title, and it's 
far from being an overrated match. I went back and watched it recently, and it's just 15 minutes of nonstop action. Two incredible athletes just giving it everything they've got to entertain the crowd. A million near falls, and, and those guys just put on a show. So for me, Macho Man is is the man, and, and people should go back and watch what this guy gave to, to the industry, especially in his WrestleMania matches. So definitely check that out. And, and Graham, we're just a few days away now. Really excited about it just because it's WrestleMania, but it does have a lot going for it. And if nothing else, we can always go back to the network and, and revisit those those great WrestleMania matches and moments over the years. I mean, we've got 31 of them, for crying out loud, and now almost 32. So looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us, Graham. Yeah, well, you know, with with what you just laid out with the history of WrestleMania, you've got to think that all the guys are gonna, and gals are going to be performing on Sunday that, you know, they're going to want to step up and try and, and cement their legacies. And you know, who knows what's going to happen. We talked about the expectations being sort of uh, unusual this year. But as far as I know, I've, I've already paid my nine ninety nine, And last time I checked, that's about the price of a circus ticket these days. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. This is Ben Flanagan with Rammer Slammer, and I am joined now by our friend in Huntsville, Ben Stark, or Ben Mark, as we should call him. <laughs> ben, it's WrestleMania week, always a big week for us wrestling fans, especially because this is obviously the Super Bowl of, of all of the wrestling events, especially for WWE, King of the Mountain in that industry. And this WrestleMania 32, which will be at Jerry World, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium there in Arlington, Texas, it should be one of the biggest of all time, just in terms of the size of the venue, the fact that they're in Texas, they're at 32 now. It's just a big moment for the company. And while the card is pretty top-heavy, the rest of it is so-so. And as Graham refers to it in this episode, worthy of a SmackDown episode instead of oh. WrestleMania. Top-heavy, I think, is a good way to put it, because the three matches that are really – all their all their advertising here, they, they seem like WrestleMania-worthy matches, but the build-up, the lead-up to WrestleMania 32, or just WrestleMania, as WWE is calling it, has been strange in that it hasn't really been there hardly at all because, as I pointed out to Graham, four out of the six people wrestling in these three big matches, they're part-timers. There's only two full-timers, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, who are part of these three matches. And so it's kind of tied one hand behind the back of WWE and having the folks in the, the parties available to promote this thing in the episodes of Raw and, and obviously SmackDown leading up to this. What do you think it has been the issue for the lead-up, or do you sense the same sort of weak build-up to this WrestleMania as I do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe I may just be getting excited for it, or maybe it's because I've been looking back at some of the other WrestleManias. Um, but I, I feel like every year there are a lot of complaints about the lead-up uh, to WrestleMania, how it doesn't feel big enough, or, or, or you know, like last year, the, the final image of Raw before WrestleMania was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar having a tug-of-war with the championship. And nothing this year that I've seen has been... 
that bad. And I will I will go ahead and lead and say that I don't watch WWE TV. Uh, I don't have cable, so I just kind of follow along as best I can and then watch highlights and things like that. So if it's been a bad lead-up, honestly, I, I, I'm probably not the best person to say. I don't think it's been, like, tremendously worse than any other year, but I do think that clearly one of the issues they've had are injuries, and so they've had to do um, a lot with not as much as they'd like. But also I think that you're seeing the accumulation of several years of some bad decision-making, like you said, relying so heavily on part-timers and making kind of a joke out of the actual full-time roster. Um, so I think that's what they're running into now is, look, when some of these big dogs go down and you didn't build your your roster the way that it needs to be built, this is what happens. Uh, this is what happens, Larry. So I feel like this is this was inevitable, and uh, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer. But at the same time, I think with what we've gotten, it's actually you know I think it's actually a pretty good card. I think the only the only big mistake they could make at this point is putting too much pressure on that Undertaker Shane McMahon match because that's just doubling down on the part timer reliance that they that they have trouble with. Yeah, I agree with you. And the injuries will unfortunately mar this WrestleMania, and they do have three big matches. They they really do, and I think that there are a couple of matches in the you know the the middle of the card, let's say, that have a lot of potential to be really fun. Like the women's triple threat match, I think could be a lot of fun. I still yep. think AJ Styles Jericho could be a lot of fun. New Day is always a ton of fun in ring and out of ring. So despite them going up against the 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 shoestring together faction League of Shadows, I think it'll be a lot of fun. If anything, New Day has has gotten the best out of League of Shadows. If it's been one way and one sided, then that's fine. New Day is you can kind of always count on them. So I expect to do the same on Sunday in in their match. But you know, I, I do sense sort of a, a problem in the lead up so far because again of the the dependence on part timers that. The company obviously has right now, and and in a way you can't blame them because of the injuries. I mean, they they have, you know, if, I, I'm sure if it was up to them, Daniel Bryan would be a part of this WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins would be a big part of this WrestleMania. Even yeah, like if it was Cesaro, if it was up be, to them. If it was up to them, Daniel Bryan would be a, a part of this pre-show, probably. <laughs> well, that's that's probably true, but nevertheless he would be there, right? And and maybe Shane wouldn't be there. Maybe Triple H wouldn't be champion right now, right? Probably not. Although you never know, to be quite honest with you, with with him as the quote-unquote COO. But, yeah, so in a way I I, I don't blame them because they've had to kind of improvise and build a card in the face of adversity. So good for them for at least, again, if you want to call it top-heavy, that's fine, but at least there are three solid matches that are, are would be great draws for any WrestleMania. I, I'm excited for all three of those matches. So the problem is, uh, real quick, if you, and if you look at other years where they've had a thin roster or if it's just been kind of like a, a, a slow year, um, compared to other, like, WrestleMania 11 or 12, I feel like this is this is a, a better card than, than those. You know, you don't have a football player on, on this card, which is, that's a great thing. Yeah, for sure. No Lawrence Taylor, sadly no Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event, and and that's okay. But a lot of people are comparing it to to that. 
and, and sure. that's unfortunate. And, you know, it's WrestleMania 11 was not the only WWE pay-per-view to marginalize the, the heavyweight championship matchup, right? There there have sure. been cases like that before. I mean, one that sticks out to me is SummerSlam 94, when you have a great cage match between Bret Hart and Owen Hart, and that comes before the Undertaker versus Undertaker match <laughs> versus fake Undertaker match, Classic. which is amazing. And so it's it, there has been there's precedent. Well, for this. there's also a few years ago CM Punk and Chris Jericho right. were in the undercard, and The Rock and John Cena were at the top. Right, twice in a lifetime. So <laughs> yeah, and so again, there's there's precedent for this. We shouldn't be surprised that. See, I don't I don't know the exact order. Of the match. Yeah. Do we know for sure that? No, no. the The rumors have been uh, that that they're they're hot on um, the Hell in a Cell match going on last, which I, I think would be a travesty because, well, a because those two guys aren't active wrestlers. Um, also, they're both over forty five, and also, uh, no matter who wins in that match, it's going to be a bummer. You know, if if Undertaker loses, that's the last we see of the Undertaker WrestleMania. And many of us don't want to see that. Uh, maybe we do in a way, but kind of also don't in a way. Um, but then, if if Shane loses and the Undertaker wins, then then by extension Vince wins, and nobody ever wants that. So I I, I don't see the the outcome of that match being happy enough to end the show on. Um, but and also they they spent so much time on Roman Reigns versus Triple H on Monday that you kind of assume that no, they've got some confidence in that as, as the last match on the card. But again. You kind of wonder if he's going to be, if Roman Reigns winning is going to be met with a, a chorus of boos, or if Triple H winning would just be a down ending because he's the bad guy. Honestly, the, the thing that makes most sense is to put Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose on last and have Ambrose win, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, either way, in the, the Ambrose Lesnar match, fans are going to be cheering because those are the two most likable exactly. superstars. Yep on the roster. So that yeah, that would be that would probably be the smart move if if you want the happy ending, if you want people cheering, but again, once again there's precedent for the bad guy winning the final match at WrestleMania. I mean, you look back last year. Yeah, it happened last year exactly. But I mean, look, he was a fan favorite and people loved that moment and that has already gone down as one of the best moments in WrestleMania history. So there's there's an argument on either side for that. But I mean, you go you go all the way back to, or not not too far back to, Stone Cold, cheating. Oh yeah. Thanks to Vince McMahon and beating The Rock at WrestleMania, making a huge turn. And look, you know, on paper he was the good guy going into it, so arguably he's the good guy winning the match. But it was one of the biggest twists in the company's history, right? So you have a bad guy winning. So that could definitely happen. And and I think because <laughs> because Triple H is in the match, I would not put it past WWE to let Triple H win the retain the championship and let the bad guy win. So what needs to happen, though, is what we've talked about for so long, especially if Reigns and Triple H are going to close the show out. Something big has to happen in, in this match because, I mean, it, it, sticking with the lead-up to this, Monday night, the final Raw before WrestleMania, before the presumptive future of the company in Roman Reigns is is to win the championship and have his WrestleMania moment. The Brooklyn crowd boos him to death. 
mm-hmm. in, in a similar way that Philly obviously did at the Royal Rumble. So this has been going on for a couple of years now, and that fans are rejecting him, at least these older, smart fans anyway. You know, again, I, I think you have to consider what we don't know about the business that Roman Reigns is doing for the company, but we know that the most vocal fans out there are rejecting Roman Reigns as the, the, the present and the future at WWE. And look, we, we've seen it happen. We've talked about it here before. Vince has reacted in a way that satisfies the fans. He has listened. He's heard them. And in, at WrestleMania 30, for instance, he pivoted, and Daniel Bryan went on to win the championship instead of Batista or instead of Randy Owens retaining the – I'm sorry, Randy Orton uh, retaining the championship. WrestleMania 31, the same thing with Roman Reigns happens. Everybody boos him out of the building at Royal Rumble. Fans reject the premise of Roman Reigns as the champion. Perhaps Vince pivots, and he makes Seth Rollins the champion in the present and the possible future of WWE, giving Roman Reigns more time to win over fans. I think we're seeing a repeat of last year, and, and something tells me something big has to happen because right now we're seeing more of the same, and I don't think Vince wants to see a repeat of what happened at the 2015 Royal Rumble, because I think if Roman just happens to win clean and wins the title, we're going to see a repeat of that. Yeah, I mean, with WrestleMania, it's always, I feel like the last two years at least, it's been about the headlines the next morning, maybe even the the year before that, you know. Basically since The Rock came back, um, I feel like they've been trying to shoot for that ESPN headline on Monday morning after WrestleMania. So they have, um, you know, the big comeback kid story with Daniel Bryan, the Yes movement paying off. And then last year they had the big swerve where Brock Lesnar gets his title stolen by this guy, this upstart. So, yeah, I agree that I think it's going to be in, in, in Vince's head to do something that's going to get noticed. Because right now, the most likely thing that's that's going to make headlines is good guy champion gets booed by 80,000 people or whoever. And that's, that's not the kind of headline he wants unless the guy's not a good guy anymore. And that's, that's, I think probably the best option. But I mean, look, if, if you just, if you do a regular match without this big thing that you're talking about, we've already gotten that twice, you know, like we, we've seen Roman Reigns win the championship twice now. So this will be his third win. So that won't be anything new. This isn't going to be this big culmination of anything, really. And then recently we saw Triple H go over a uh, you know a hot young star in Dean Ambrose, and then again with Dolph Ziggler, you know, for the championship. I'm not sure if that second one was for the championship, but you know, there's nothing really special about Roman Reigns winning the championship at a pay per view, and there's nothing really special about Triple H going over as the bad guy. So. Unless they can come up with a special way to end that match, that's what I think is, is their thinking, is if they can't, then, well, then the ending of Shane and Undertaker will at least make a little bit more buzz, and there you go. That's why you ended on that. That's obviously what people talked about the most in the past few weeks, was the, sh- the return of Shane, pairing him against the Undertaker sounds fun on paper, but when you look at their ages and you yeah. consider, you know, how, how great can this match be? And Shane certainly delivered a, a big moment on Raw the other night and put his body on the line like everybody kind of expects him to to show everybody that he can still do it. But you just have to wonder what extent are these old timers gonna go towards? And what damage does it do in, in every in either direction? You know, if I mean I really I think the best ending here is the Undertaker winning because then at least okay he gets to ride to another day and oh we gotta tune in tomorrow to see how Shane is gonna bounce back from this and if if he will at all. 
But if Shane wins, then he's the two in twenty two and two or whatever the number is. You know, he's it's Brock Lesnar and the boss's kid that beat Undertaker at WrestleMania and I just that is throwing away so much money that you've got invested in Brock Lesnar right now, which is apparently something they're not they don't have too much problems doing. But you see my point is that it just reduces the, the credibility there that a non wrestler forty five year old non wrestler son of the the owner of the company can come in and, and beat this towering icon it's it's just a bad decision yeah it's it's weird they've kind of put themselves in a compromising position and you know i'm sure they'll get their they'll work their way out of it one way or another but let's kind of start there start let's get into predictions for wrestlemania 32 we can go up and down the whole card if we want to but let's just start with these big three matches starting with roman reigns versus triple h if if neither outcome in terms of Reigns winning by pinfall and Triple H winning by pinfall is all that special, then what should they do and what will they do? I mean, I think the the should is, look, he's going to get booed. You, you're getting huge. Uh, this guy is getting reaction. Why not use those reactions? You know, lean into it, turn him, turn him bad. It's, it's something that I felt like, you know, let the kids have what the kids want for a while, but, um, but, you know, the kids are also going to like Dolph Ziggler if, if Dolph Ziggler goes up against mean guy Roman Reigns. And they're really going to love it whenever mean guy Roman Reigns decides to do the right thing down, you know, however many years or months down the road. So I think you're, you're setting yourself up. You may be costing yourself a little bit of merchandise, but hopefully you're setting up a guy that's not that's, – that's able to help you build other guys that will sell more merchandise, if that makes any sense. So I would say <laughs> – I think the the best way to make headlines and to to kind of make everything interesting going forward, and this is something I can't believe I'm saying because I don't like this idea, is during the match have there be kind of like a double turn where Triple H is actually kind of like showing respect to Roman and stuff like that, and Roman's kind of being a little bit more brutal than we're used to him seeing, and then have Stephanie turn on Triple H and uh, just totally embrace Roman Reigns. Uh, Say that you know he's uh, he he the last couple of weeks he's shown more aggression and that Triple H has been kind of running away and uh, maybe it's time that he you know she gets with a with a real guy or so you know just an old school uh, wrestling story and I promise you if you have Roman Reigns like making out with Stephanie McMahon in the <laughs> middle of a ring to close WrestleMania not only are the, is the crowd gonna like go nuclear and throw stuff in the ring which I think they should totally prompt. Like, if you think about the, the WCW, you know, when the NWO used to come out or when Hogan turned bad, people were just throwing garbage in the ring. And it's just one of those, like, amazing visuals that, yeah, your, your, your ring gets messed up and maybe Scott Hall gets pegged in the head with a, with a soda. But, hey, you know what? That's the kind of stuff that gets people excited because you're getting a visceral reaction out of the crowd. And I feel like, you look, it, it, I think you tell the crowd, oh, you want to boo this guy? All right, let me give you a reason to boo this guy and really lean into it. And then, you know, you have uh, you have all sorts of possibilities going forward with Roman Reigns as this hand-picked golden boy by maybe Stephanie and, and Vince. And then you have Triple H out of the picture for a little bit. He can be the good NXT guy. Um, and uh, you have some interesting stuff going forward. I think what will happen it's hard to say. I, I, I think that there's a chance that they'll just go clean and maybe have The Rock come help Roman win, you know, and try that trick again. 
you know, maybe maybe the League of Nations comes out to beat up on Roman and the Rock saves them, or the New Day saves them, or the you know something Ambrose or something, uh, and they just keep going down this this road. And honestly, I'm fine with that. If they just want to go there, fine. You know, if, if they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to deal with the consequences, and I think that's okay. And I feel like, look, if we just want Roman Reigns to win at WrestleMania and have the championship, then let's just do it. Let's quit taking it away from him. Yeah. So uh, that's what I think will probably happen. Yeah, I think they're going to eat the booze, to be honest with you. They're just going to yeah. live with it and, and keep working at it, keep chipping away at the wood and hope something amounts from it. And and honestly, what I, in terms of what they should do, again, I, something just has they, – they should do something. And they know better – you know, they tend to know better than we do or else, you know, we wouldn't have gotten – you know, I'm sure many of us would have said – Now's the time for Seth Rollins to cash in money in the bank. How great would that be? Or, or maybe we would have rather just seen Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns to a pulp, and everybody would have been just as satisfied, right? So I, I, I think you got to work in Seth Rollins at this point. And, and obviously it depends on his, his health and whether or not he can physically contribute in the ring just a, a few months removed from tearing his ACL and MCL at the house show. And look – I think he's been out of the picture for, you know, a good reason. He obviously made the one appearance to accept a Slammy Award, and he, he played it really well and, and insisted he would be back. And what better stage to, to come back than WrestleMania and, and capitalize on, you know, being a year removed from creating one of the greatest moments in the show's history. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Honestly, if, if you're going to turn Roman Reigns, I think a double turn in, in some fashion is the way to do it. And if it's Triple H, that's fine. I think you, there are possibilities of doing it with Seth Rollins specifically. I couldn't really tell you right now, but I think that there's there's just a way. And really, if if The Rock is going to be a big part of this, which we know he, he's been advertised as, as making an appearance at this thing, The Rock is contractually obligated to appear at, at least one more WrestleMania, I think. And why not, why not double-turn Rock and... Reigns, you know? Yeah, there you I mean, go. The, the Rock is probably going to be the good guy no matter what, but this might be a yeah. good opportunity. Like, if, if, if Reigns does win and The Rock is his enforcer or whatever and he comes in there holds his hand up, why not let Reigns just spear The Rock right then and yeah. there? And yeah, he didn't up, need that help. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't need you. I'm my own guy. You didn't do anything yeah. for me. You You walked out on me when everybody was booing me or whatever, you know? Spear him, Superman punch him, whatever. Regardless, you know, like you said, fans are going to boo no matter what. Use it to your advantage. Then you've got your WrestleMania 33 main event right there. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, I think that's how they should be doing everything, you know, is, all right, what do we want next year to be? I know that probably has bitten them because of the injuries and things like that. Like, I think this year going in, I don't know if a Shield three-way was ever the plan, but obviously that went out the window whenever Rollins got hurt. And then I think that the next logical thing would have been John Cena and Roman Reigns because – You've got your old star making way for the new star, and that that that's probably one of their bigger money matches. Then obviously John Cena got hurt, so I can see why they wouldn't want to plan. But yeah, I agree with you that what you do is you write down what what's the main event of WrestleMania 33, and how do we get there, and how do we start that? And I think right now, I think honestly that floating mega main event that they've got that they need to have on paper at all times to think about how they're going to put this on WrestleMania is that Shield three-way match. So if you want to do that, then, yeah, get Seth Rollins involved again. 
the second year in the row interfering with with Roman Reigns' match so that you can you can go towards that Shield three way or yeah I mean a Rock versus Roman Reigns match would be a huge deal that's you know they've got a very small amount of big money matches left that they haven't ever done before I think one of them is that Shield three way another one I guess is that one another one is John Cena versus Roman Reigns, you know, unless you do like a Triple H Rock rematch or something with two part-timers, those are kind of the only the only um, big money matches they've got left, and I totally agree with you, then why don't you just go ahead and, and come up with that idea and then set that up here. Yeah, and, and John Cena is also another X-Factor here coming off of the shoulder surgery. There are reports that he has been working his way so that he can get back for WrestleMania. Obviously, he doesn't have a match, but something tells me if it's not Rollins, if it's not The Rock, then Cena could be that guy who appears during this match and, and becomes a factor in the narrative moving forward with Reigns. So we'll see what happens, and there are so many possibilities with that match. Let's hope they go down you know, one of the roads. We hope they will, and if not, let's just see what happens. So next up, Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker. What will happen? I've got, I've got a very bad feeling that Shane is going to win just because that – would be a big story thing. But again, they brought up the lockbox thing whenever he came back. So they've got an out where if he loses, if he loses, he can still come back on Raw and say, okay, well, I lost that match, so I'm not taking over Raw, but here in this lockbox, I've got whatever, you know, a check from Linda McMahon um, or something. And uh, so I think they've got an out there. So I, I think I just said that what will happen is that Shane will win. That's my fear, but I think actually Undertaker will win. I think he's been around for so long that they're not going to take this away from him. Um, and I don't think he's done. And if he is done, I don't think he's going to go out laying down for Shane McMahon. I think he's going to go out laying down for, you know, Triple H or Brock, you know, some legitimate guy um, or John Cena, you know, or something like that. So I think probably the Undertaker will retain. If Shane does win, then I feel like that sets up nicely that Stephanie, that Stephanie turn in the main event. Um, where if she thinks she's lost control because Shane is in charge, then what better way to side with Roman Reigns as the, as the WWE champion uh, just to stay to stay in the limelight? But some out there fantasy booking on my part. Um, so yeah, I think I think should and will win as the Undertaker. I think you're probably right, and I I think the following Raw, the 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 aftermath of it is going to be the real story and and what. You know where where we see it go with Shane from there is, is really what people are going to be interested in, whether he takes control of Raw or not. And like you said, I think the lockbox line kind of set this up for for him to lose, but still have something on Vince, and and that's going to come to a head on Monday night when when Shane gets in there and is like, you're you know, look, I lost, you know, I I, I manned up, I gave it everything I had, and I lost. And you're not going to give me control of Raw, but I have this lockbox, and I'm about to open it. I think, you know, Vince is Vince is just going to, you know, do that thing where he's like, "All right, all right, damn it, you can have Raw, you can have it. Just don't open the, you know, don't open the the lockbox or whatever." And then Shane is probably just going to get Raw that way. So I agree. I think I think Undertaker's probably going to win. I mean, it would be a, a shock, I think, to the wrestling world if he lost to Shane McMahon. But maybe that's yeah. what they're going for. So. Okay, yeah. the, the the third big match, the one that, that on paper I think we, we would be most excited to watch, I have a weird feeling it's it's going to turn out a lot differently than we hope it will just in terms of the gimmick of the match, the 
no-holds-barred street fight between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose. Who will win? Uh, I think that Brock wins. I don't think Dean needs to win. I mean, we've talked before about how he is, like, the big stage loser, you know, how he always loses. Uh, but he he's kind of like The Rock. You know, The Rock used to lose all the time, but he never lost his popularity. Um, and there's something about Dean Ambrose where he can lose, but he, he keeps his heat as long as he keeps coming back. And there's guys like Roman Reigns that I feel like that doesn't really work with. Or Stone Cold Steve Austin. If, if Austin had always lost, we would have eventually lost interest in him. But no, he, he was the guy that went and got it done and then moved on to the next thing. So there's different different charismas that different guys have, and, and Ambrose can totally survive a loss, especially to a monster like Lesnar. I don't think there's any reason to... I think Lesnar had a few a, a bad few months. He went from competing for the WWE Championship and at Battleground, and then he got put into another feud with The Undertaker, and that turned out well for him after after a while. But then since then, he's they, they just have not used this guy very well, and they really need to use him well because he's got a lot of money invested. They've got a lot of money invested in him. So I think that this is a good way to kind of underline how, how much of a badass Lesnar is, and it's a good way to underline, hey, you know what? Ambrose is going to – it's going to take a lot to put him away. So I think Brock is going to win um, – I th- well, I think Brock should win. Are you asking me what will happen? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I, I, unfortunately, I think we're going to get a Wyatt family interference. Um, I don't know if that will mean that they're going to interfere to cost Brock the match or if they're going to lay both guys out and cover one with the other or something like that. But I, I think that this thing is going to be marred by Br- Bray Wyatt and, and the Wyatt family coming out and because they've been messing with both guys for months now. <sighs> and that's just what they do. They just kind of, you know, there's something good going, and then the Wyatts come in and, and ruin it and, and derail <laughs> everything. Um, they've done it for Dean Ambrose. They've done it for The Undertaker. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I – unfortunately, that's what I think will happen, and that's a shame because this I, – I think I said before that they should have hot-shotted the title to Lesnar from Triple H, made it like a pride thing, give that match away for free on Raw, put the title on Lesnar, and this should actually be your championship main event. But uh, they didn't do that, obviously. Right. No, I think you're probably right about the Wyatts. And, and the big question is, what is the health of Bray Wyatt? And obviously, Luke Harper is out. Graham, my brother, went to the house show in Madison Square Garden just last week, and Bray Wyatt wrestled. And, and this was after he skipped Roadblock, where he was going to face Brock Lesnar and in, in, pay off that storyline where they obviously interfered at Royal Rumble and cost him that. And now we had the Brock Wyatt feud that sort of amounted to nothing. Maybe Vince wants to be stubborn and, and see it through. And that's probably what will happen. I, I think Dean's going to win. I really do. And, and, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's me being a, a mark for Dean, but it's just time for the guy to win a match because like you said, yeah, you, he can lose a lot and and retain his popularity, but he loses all the time, especially these pay per view <laughs> matches. You know, I mean, he yeah. had the he had the Royal Rumble, the tables match or whatever with with uh, Kevin Owens that he won. So you know, he, he wins on occasion, but when he finally gets to the so called big leagues, whether he's in a title match against Triple H or Seth Rollins or or whomever, or now this big match against the company's biggest money draw, Brock Lesnar. He loses. I hope that we just reach 
a time where the WWE can't afford to let Dean Ambrose keep losing because he is clearly the most beloved wrestler on the roster by the fans, adults and kids. Whenever his music hits, people go nuts. The house goes nuts. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not Stone Cold Pops, but it's in the ballpark. I mean, and if they put a little bit of work into it, they could get pretty close. Yeah, and yeah, I mean he, they've got something he, hot on their hands. Oh, big time. And I think they know that or else he wouldn't be again the main event placeholder when guys like Rollins and Reigns are out with injury. If they need somebody, they can go to Dean Ambrose and look, maybe he's a guy who who constantly tells them, "Look, I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to make the sacrifice if it makes somebody look better and if it's the story you want to tell." And that that's big of him to do that, but it's it's time for this guy to have a big moment. You know, after after all of the all of the losses, and now after they've been playing him as the underdog for so long, they, in my opinion, they've made him look weak for a long time. Whether that's losing to the you know and Triple H, a guy he could never beat, or losing to Brock Lesnar in a triple threat, or losing to Brock Lesnar in a street fight. This is the only way you could beat Brock Lesnar is if you used a chainsaw in a bat wrapped in barbed <laughs> wire, you know? So we'll see what happens. I, I just have a weird feeling that he's going to win and they're going to push this underdog thing and give him his big moment. And, yeah, what does that mean for Brock Lesnar? Does that make him look bad? Are they miss? Are they, are they underutilizing him the way that you just suggested? Perhaps. But, I mean, like we've been saying here, like, no matter what happens in any of these matches, it, it puts them in a creative corner and, and gives them a lot to work out. So, Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's one one thing I think is interesting about how, what we're talking about, and I'll take issue with Graham's comment about this being a glorified SmackDown card, is, no, I actually think that, you know, looking at the card and looking at the fact that we can't really figure out what's going to happen, I think that they actually, they've at least done a good enough job getting us excited for, for this. I think these are the biggest money matches that they had available to them. I think maybe you swap around a couple of the players, you know, and you may get a little bit more mileage or box office or something out of it. But I think that these are pretty big deal matches, and I think that the, the stakes are, are all pretty high, and uh, and it's kind of unpredictable. So I guess that goes back to your initial question. is I, I guess this hasn't been that horrible of a buildup after all. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I, I remain unconvinced. Or may, yeah, maybe maybe I'm just marking out as, as the day approaches. Like a probably. Year. So yeah, let's probably. run through the card real quick, real quick. And I mean real quick, quick, lightning round. Yeah, I mean quick too. So, twenty man battle royal. Who wins that? Strowman. Who? Strowman. Strowman. So I, is Strowman. he announced to be a part of it? I have no idea, but he's going to win it. They're going to invade or something. It's it's the perfect opportunity for them to keep beating the drum that this guy is a monster. Okay. Seven-man intercontinental match, ladder match, who wins that? I just want everybody to go home healthy and safe. <laughs> I kind of wish that everybody would sit quietly and they would have a discussion and then let one of the guys climb up and get the ladder. Um, so I, I've been catching up with a lot of the money in the bank and ladder matches from past WrestleManias. And I don't know if I'm just getting old and I'm just worried about all these guys, but I just don't want – I don't need this. But uh, I think I think Kevin Owens will win, and I think he should win. There's no reason to to f- keep throwing this title around. Give him it's his first WrestleMania, so give him his moment. Yeah, I agree, and I think it'll build to a an Owens Zane singles match for the title yep. in the near future. Okay. So the, the I forgot about the pre-show U.S. Championship: Kalista versus Ryback. Who wins? The, the pre-show championship? You mean at this point? We lose. Yeah. Who wins? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I guess Callisto, why not? You know, keep keep him uh, keep this push going. I, I like him. Um, I, I'll you know I don't think Ryback is terrible. I'm not sure why neither of these guys can really set the world on fire, but I bet you if Callisto sells a lot of masks. So you know, keep him going. Yeah, I think Callisto. Ten woman tag match. Who wins that? Uh, I am so out of the loop on this one, but I think that Bree is retiring soon, so I'm thinking her team wins and she gets the ten. Triple Threat Divas Championship match. Let's, let's now this call one, it. let's uh, call it the Women's Championship match. Who wins? There you go. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. So they've got. I think they've made a strong case for for everybody in here. Um, I think that Charlotte hasn't had it long enough, and I think they've got a good thing going with her as kind of the dominant, the Triple H of the women's division, kind of. Uh, she's even got Ric Flair as her valet. So I think they're going to stick with Charlotte, but then set up for some sort of singles uh, singles match. I know there's a lot of people out there hoping for Sasha to get her big moment. She was a big deal in NXT, but I just, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not paying enough attention, but I'm not seeing her get the, the traction yet that she would probably need to get to make this a big moment for her, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think, if anything, Becky Lynch won't win it, and it yeah. will come down to Charlotte and Sasha Banks. I think I'm with you right now. I'm, I'm on that side of the fence that Charlotte will retain and and stay the champion. She's been great in, in Flair by her side. They've, they've like you said, they've got a great thing going, and they just need to get the triple threat thing out of the way. And, and no offense to Becky Lynch, who, who I think is good, but they've been building towards Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, and they just need to keep this thing going. And and I think that's probably what's best for the division. And, and again, I'm, I'm a fan of Charlotte. I think she's doing great. Yeah, so I, absolutely. I look, I look forward to seeing where they go with it. And, and hopefully Nikki Bella comes back soon. I know she might have a long road uh, ahead of her. but Yeah, I think I, I think I heard online that she is done, uh, oh. that, it, that it's uh, aggravated to the point that there, it's not safe for her to come back. No, that that was like one source on a podcast. No, you know that's. I mean, look, that's understandable. I mean, neck sure. injuries are, are not to be taken lightly, and and they've ended the careers of, of many greats. And but I think she was great for the division, and I had hoped that she would have, you know, come back and and been able to have a, maybe a, a, a triple threat rivalry with those other two women, Charlotte well, and Sasha. But you know, you, you kind of think they were setting Charlotte up as the dominant villain, you know, and then for a Nikki comeback. Uh, yeah, as a, as a as a good guy, but uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Probably not. Okay, what what am I leaving out? The New Day versus League of Nations. I think this is going to be a bunch of fun. I think on a big stage, these guys are going to are going to have a blast. I think Sheamus and Rusev both can deliver uh, when when properly motivated, um, and uh, I think that some big stuff could happen here for the New Day, and I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see the next phase of their career uh, take off. Uh, like I said, I feel like the way that you need to write these shows is you come up with your big main events in the future. And I, I think there's a lot of money and attention and a potential Shield reun- uh, reunited Shield versus a New Day like main event tag match or like Survivor Series or something like that. And there's no reason that both of those teams can't be huge uh, kind of hero teams feuding uh, on good terms. So yeah, I'm I'm expecting the new day to go over here, and I think that's that's what will happen. Yeah, I, I just don't really see the benefit in League of Nations winning, but you know, I, I didn't see right. the benefit in Sheamus winning the last Money in the Bank match. So you never know what'll happen. So, yeah. but no, I, I do think the New Day will win. They've just got too much momentum. Okay, the other tag match: Usos versus Dudleys. Yeah, Usos. Sure, why not? Send okay. the kids home happy. Yeah, fine. Is that it? Styles. 
Styles Jericho. Oh yeah, AJ, okay, yeah, AJ Styles versus Jericho, one I really want to watch. Yeah, that's that's probably the match I'm most looking forward to, which is strange because we've seen it a number of times now. But I just feel if you look at Chris Jericho's WrestleMania matches, he always delivers. AJ Styles is, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world, or at least he has been the last few years. So uh, I, I feel like they're they're getting their moment here, and uh, it, this could be a, a sleeper classic. Or it could be like seven minutes long and totally inconsequential. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's no reason for AJ Styles not to win this. If he doesn't, I think that's kind of a big mistake. Chris Jericho can survive a loss. He survived a WrestleMania loss to Fandango a few years ago. So uh, <laughs> He should so win the rest of his life for doing that. <laughs> that's a good point. So, yeah, but I'm thinking this has gone on long enough. I feel like they need to end the feud and end it with authority with the, with the Styles wins. Yeah, and and kudos to Jericho for really putting in the work as a yeah. bad guy and, and making AJ look as good as possible. And honestly, I think it's made Jericho look better than AJ during this feud. To be to be honest, because I you know I was getting, I thought that the Jericho thing was had had run its course the way he was, but he's just dating back to WCW. He is just such a good bad guy. And yeah, when he I, turns it on, he, there's nobody. There's not many people better. Oh yeah, he's getting he's getting Roman Reigns level booze, but he's earning them, you know. And and I, you know I I love it, and I hope I hope he you know keeps keeps it up, and I hope I just hope we see good matches with AJ Styles in the near future. He had a great one with Kevin Owens recently on on uh, it was either Raw or SmackDown. It was just really good, and, and yeah. I want to see more of that from him. But Stark, an issue that I have with this match, like this match that has a legit feud and has a legit story and is a singles match. This should be for something like the Intercontinental title. Like this, they should have worked an, a feud angle for that belt with with this kind of match. I just wish that they would. Yeah. I, I just wish that they would give some stakes to that belt. And for the second year in a row, there just aren't any stakes to it. And I think that that belt has almost lost all of its importance. And, and oh. again, I think it marginalizes the title and it marginalizes all of the wrestlers who are participating for it. Well, that I agree with. I mean, I think the Intercontinental title needs feuds like this, but I don't think feuds like this need the Intercontinental title, if that makes any sense. So you just like it as a singles grudge match? Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at some of the great WrestleMania matches, you know, they're, you know, if if you look at uh, the the third Rock versus Austin, or if you look at, um, uh, I watched uh, Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis the other day, they're just like mean grudge matches where these guys are just, these guys need to deal with their stuff. And I feel like that's that's good. That's what wrestling is about. It, it it needs to be about, well, I think I'm better than you, and the only way to prove it to myself and to everybody else is to pin you. I think that's okay every now and then. But, yes, I totally agree that the Intercontinental title is just this prop that they throw around. And, I mean, Kevin Owens is one of the best guys out there, but they're just not giving him the stories to – I think that a Kevin Owens-Sami Zayn uh, feud over the Intercontinental Championship could be a big deal. And that's a great way to elevate it, but I feel like, you know, as soon as that feud ends and that that cools down, they'll throw it on Stardust or something like that with, with no pomp and circumstance. And it'll just go right back to being what it is now. So that's what's going to happen at WrestleMania 32, so you can book it. So before we go Start here, before we go here, Stark, I want to just look back on some of our favorite WrestleMania memories favorite WrestleManias and matches and performers and things like that. I, we, I along with my AL.com colleague, John Sharp, we went through a ton of categories and, and went through our favorite WrestleMania stuff, so I encourage people to check it out on AL.com. 
today as we lead up to WrestleMania 32. So I want to ask you the same thing, and I'll share mine too. Let's start with what is your favorite WrestleMania of all time? So I have a spreadsheet, um, but I'm not going to go down the spreadsheet. I'll just count down my my top five real fast. So my number five is WrestleMania 19. It's one of the it's one of the ones that I watched when I was like at the height of of my wrestling fandom. And just if you look down that card, there's there's so much awesome stuff, and uh, the uh, the atmosphere is great. And the atmosphere is a big part of it for me. That's why WrestleMania three is my number four. Uh, just those shots of the the Silver Dome with all those people in it. It's one of those things you kind of. It helps that everybody's wearing fanny packs and and uh, high tops and stuff, and it's just the most '80s thing ever. That's my number four. My number three is WrestleMania eight which is a similar kind of feeling, but also has uh, one of my favorite, uh, has most of my favorite wrestlers of all time on the card with Piper and Bret Hart and uh, Savage and Slayer. Um, and aside from a wacky ending, uh, it's just a great all-around card and, and Bobby Heenan at some of his best. My number two is WrestleMania 30 from a few years ago. It, it may have the most satisfying ending of any WrestleMania ever, uh, as tragic as, as Daniel Bryan's situation is. It's still, it's more bittersweet than it is tragic. It's not like the end of WrestleMania 20, uh, which is kind of unwatchable at this point because of Chris Benoit. Uh, but also just from beginning to end, WrestleMania 30 is really entertaining. And there's this one story of Daniel Bryan starting and ending the show that is sustained through the whole show. And then also you have the incredible Lesnar-Undertaker moments. You have Cesaro throwing Big Show over the top rope. Um, and uh, you have the, the Shields kind of last big WrestleMania moment before they're split. So it's uh, it's just an all-around really fun and satisfying show. And then my number one, it, it's been my number one since I saw it, and I think it's most people's number one. It's WrestleMania 17. It's huge. It's this tremendous roster of talented people. There's every kind of match on there. There's the Angle-Benoit match that's, like, super technical. And then there's the big spot fest with the, with the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys. You've got a Triple H Undertaker match on there. It's really good. Vince versus Shane, which is like this really great garbagey sports entertainment match. And then, of course, the main event of The Rock versus Austin. Too. Uh, in, I mean, I, it, not by the numbers or anything, but it seems like the two biggest stars that wrestling has ever created um, uh, facing off in this brutal epic match uh, that ends with, with quite a shock. Uh, it, what came next after this wasn't the most satisfying thing ever, but in the moment, this was, this was a big deal and it was huge. And it was, it was kind of the transition between like the attitude era that was like kind of small and still kind of rinky dink and the arena shows that, that they put on every single year now. So WrestleMania 17 has is, is got to be the all timer. My favorite is WrestleMania five moving on. That's how a lightning round works, Stark. Sorry. No, look, my, my, I, five is a big sentimental favorite of mine just because, in, in my mind, as a young wrestling fan, Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man is just like the ultimate pro wrestling rivalry main event, what, what have you, just two of the all-time greats clashing and what happens to be a great storyline in this quasi love triangle. It's just a lot of fun. And the match, the match, the match was pretty good. And, and I just loved the macho man. And, and it was just, I don't know for me that the, the roster was just so strong at that point too, there in 1989, the WWF was kind of at the peak of its powers. Hulk Hogan's popularity was at, at its peak too. And, 
it's just it's everything that I loved about wrestling at that point in my very young life. And it was really the first WrestleMania I watched from beginning to end. So that that would be my favorite for sure. So your favorite match, WrestleMania match. How many can I list? As many as you want, start. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Real quick, my one through five, going from five. Number five, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Number four, uh, Randy Savage versus Ric Flair from WrestleMania 8. Uh, oh, the Angle-Michaels match was from uh, WrestleMania 21. By far the best thing on that card. Number three is Owen versus Brett from WrestleMania 10. Number two is my sentimental pick, probably, which is Austin versus Rock from 17. But I think what's got to be the, the best of all time from a storytelling standpoint, from a um, technique standpoint, from a spectacle standpoint, I have to give it to Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat from WrestleMania 3. It's one of those matches where if somebody doesn't quite get wrestling, that's a really good one to show them, you know, where you've got uh, Ricky Steamboat and he's got George the Animal Steel in his corner and George the Animal Steel is like immediately empathetic and they set up the, the background with Elizabeth and everything that happened at WrestleMania 2. And it's just this determined, clean-cut good guy taking on this this ruthless guy that, that may be abusing his girlfriend. But the good guy doesn't – he's not in it to save anybody. He's in it to, to get revenge and to get what he wants, which is the championship. And the way it all plays out, the way that Savage keeps going for uh, Steamboat's throat is, is super brutal. And the way they kind of trade everything they've got, throwing all sorts of different moves on each other, not getting the pin, and then the other guy does it to, to him back. It, it's just really great, really exciting, and it's really amped up by the uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura commentary. It's fantastic. Well, I was just going to throw out a, a few honorable mentions that I, it hurt me not to have them on here. All of these that I've mentioned are like five out of five, like top all-time wrestling matches. But the ones I, I wish I could have had in my top five were Austin versus Brett from 13, Rock versus Austin, the third one from, from WrestleMania 19. That's just a super fun match uh, and uh, and really personal to each guy and a really great closer to Austin's career. And then uh, Roddy Piper versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 8. Just a brutal match. Really great storytelling where Brett kind of earns Piper's respect. They're both good guys going in. Piper kind of played it nasty, but ended up, you know, being a, being a, a good guy. Uh, so it's just really all of these just have really great storytelling, and that's what obviously that's what pro wrestling is all about. Yeah, and my favorite is like you just said, Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat, and, and it wasn't for a long time, and it took a recent rewatch of the entire WrestleMania three. To, to really convince me that, you know, I was, like an idiot, I, I would just assume this is just overrated. People are sentimental, and they're just they're just picking it for the sake of, of history. And, you know, I went back and watched it, and it's incredible. And it's just like 15 feverish minutes, just nonstop. Yeah. The, the pace of it is incredible. The athleticism on, on, on the part of both of the competitors is just off the charts. The, both of the guys at the peak of their physical abilities – and like you said, the story is great in, in Macho Man doing some just fantastic bad guy wrestling. The good guy wins like he should have. Ricky Steamboat's theme music is incredible. Yes. yes. And, 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 and the way you know, it starts, uh, the way it starts, sorry to interrupt, but he's like giving a promo and his music starts in the middle of it and then they cut his entrance. And it's like it starts in his promo like when he's at his like most intense. And it's yeah. like the coolest thing ever. It's why don't you guys do that now? It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's just it, it, it's just great. It's what it's all about, and and no out of the ring shenanigans. They 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 
solved their problems in ring and settled their differences, I guess. And, and yeah, it's just, I, I Macho Man is so great. And Ricky Steamboat is a guy looking back on that match and, and at WrestleMania four or two, where he also performed really well. Like, I, I just don't understand how a guy like that, who, who just seems like the total package wasn't the top guy at some point in WWF. He, he's just super likable, great in the ring. And, and I just don't get it. He's not Hulk Hogan. That's true. But I, I just think he could have had a great run as champion. And it's a shame that he didn't, but he put on one of the all time great matches. So at least he yeah, has that. I mean, he, once he went down South, he was a pretty big deal. So definitely check out that. Yeah. Okay. So lastly here, favorite WrestleMania performer overall. I mean, it, it's, there's, again, there's so many that you could pick from when I made my list of like my 50, WrestleMania matches, I just kind of like searched out which names are on there the most. Um, and the names that are on there the most are tied in the 10 each. And it's Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Uh, they're both on there 10 times. And it's kind of hard to deny. Um, I'm not a huge fan of either guy. I know a lot of people consider Shawn Michaels to be one of the greatest of all time, but th- there's something missing. There's some connection I can't quite get to him. Maybe it's the close. It's definitely the close. But there are some other kind of intangibles about Shawn Michaels that I, I'm just never just never been a Shawn Michaels guy. And The Undertaker, too. I mean, he's capable of, of some really, really, really bad matches. But when he is motivated and when he, uh, you know, really puts in the work, he puts on great matches. He's, he's had great matches at WrestleMania with Ric Flair and with Edge, of course, with Shawn Michaels and Triple H and CM Punk and Batista. So he's just so he's he's able to match his opponents so well. Michaels, of course, it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to deny how great he, he can be. Uh, and a lot of people say that their match together or one of their matches together at WrestleMania is the greatest match of all time. I'm not going to go that far, um, but I think I, I have to give my, my top performer to, to Savage, to Randy Savage. Just for the first 10 years or so of, of WrestleMania, he is the constant. He's the guy that you can count on to have one of the best matches on the card, if not the best match. He's totally underserved. He should have been in the main event spot, like, it, you know, half the time when he was really just there twice, arguably three times at WrestleMania 8, and even then he was he was put in the mid-card with Ric Flair, of all, uh, of all people. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's a guy that no, no matter how much good stuff you say about Randy Savage, you're not saying enough. He's just the all-time great in, in my book, and I think that the first 10 years of WrestleMania is kind of his, his crowning achievement. So he's, he's my pick. He, he wasn't ever like at the top of WrestleMania when it was doing the arena shows and, in Houston and, and, uh, you know, and stuff like that, but he, he was reliable. He's always there and he put on the best match in the history of the show. So why not him? My pick is King Kong Bundy. No, my, hey, my man, pick. WrestleMania two is a solid match. I think more WrestleMania 11 when he went up against the undertaker. No, look, nailed it. Yeah, it's it's Macho Man for me, too. It, it really is. And I'm with you. Like, even though I can acknowledge Undertaker and Shawn Michaels as great in-ring performers and, and acknowledge their popularity and why fans like them, I've just never been a huge fan of theirs. Just They just never really connected with me personally. And Macho Man always did. And, and like you said, he just put on great match after great match. He, he just has probably the best personality of any wrestler ever. And, and it's just not only, again, not only great in the ring, but cuts maybe the best promos ever yep. to before and after matches. And yeah, he's, he's a legend. He's on my Mount Rushmore pro wrestling and 
and certainly of WrestleManias. Yeah, I mean, if you if you cut out all of the wrestling from all the WrestleManias and just made promos, he would still be my pick. You know, so. emotions high, emotions low. Yeah, he's the cream of the crop. Um, yeah, and I mean, I wonder if the Undertaker Michaels thing has a lot to do with those recent matches they had, but also they're two guys that are in really good standing with the company. So I feel like there there's a lot of propaganda uh, on the on the side of WWE. Nobody really, nobody at the company really wants anybody to think about Randy Savage as being the greatest of all time. So I feel like there's they've got the two guys that they want to be the greatest of all time, and they're on their payroll still. So you know why not talk about those guys way more than than the guy that that left. Definitely. So yeah, that does it. And and you know thanks for working all that out with me, Sark and. It's time for WrestleMania 32. Are you pumped? Yeah, I mean, it may be almost as long as as our recording. Thanks, Stark. Thanks, Ben. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Dave Wills, the crying wrestling fan from Tosh Photo and YouTube, and you're listening to Rammer Slammer right here on AL.com. Let me tell you, Rammer Slammer, it'll still be damn it.